But then if you were to acknowledge class, you'd have to spoil the American dream. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the I'm Lost So What podcast. This is your host, Cassandra Lay, and I am super excited for you all to tune into today's conversation with our very own podcast coordinator, Georgia Smith-Marr. Georgia is a writer focused on the intersection of tech, culture, and fashion. She's the founder of A Purtle In Between, a newsletter that focuses on these intersections and how they converge on spaces online. She wants to let you all know that she is not thriving under capitalism and wishes to opt out. I'm super excited for this conversation because Georgia is the person who is behind the scenes of the podcast, doing all of the background work, like editing and making sure that everything sounds silky smooth. And I'm really excited for her to be joining and sharing all of the things that we talk about on a normal day-to-day basis through all of our messages. In this podcast episode, we'll be covering things like pop culture, technology, classism, and really diving into critical thinking and media literacy. Before you dive into this episode, I do want to share a content warning. We talk about racism, patriarchy, and classism. And um, yeah, let's just get into it. Georgia's got a lot to share, and I'm excited for you all to listen. Hello, hello, everyone. I'm Cassandra Lay, and you're listening to I'm Lost, So What? The podcast exploring between belonging and carving your own path. For all the peeps out there who kind of know what you're doing, but still question, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, I'm with you. Welcome to the podcast. I'm super excited to have you here. I'm excited to be here slash slightly nervous, terrified, shitting it. Ah, love it. You know, love the honesty, (laughs) but I'm also (laughs) super excited for the conversation, even if you'll be shitting through it most of the time. (laughs) I'm I'm excited too. (laughs) Okay. I'm sure it'll like, you know, dissipate as we go through or not. You'd think that, but no. Okay. No. All right, then. (laughs) That's totally fine. (laughs) So let's just get into it. The first question I always ask guests uh, before... We dive into all of the other things that we talk about is what does being lost mean to you? And can you describe the feeling of being lost? I think like the first thing that comes into my mind is physically. Like, I don't know if you've ever been to a building with a north and south tower. That's hard. I get lost. Like, Oh, you, wait, you I don't know what a north and south tower is. So basically. Is this like a British like- thing? No, it's like, I've, I've discovered it in Colombia. I've okay. never come across this in the UK, but basically there's like two sets of elevators. Um, one goes to the north, one goes to the south. And say like uh, you could go to like the 11th floor, but if you're meant to be in the, the south and you're in the north, you can't just cross a bridge or you can't just walk. You have to go back down. It's like a whole thing. So okay. that's like it's like physically lost. Like, or if you like, you know, don't have Google Maps, you're like physically lost. But then there's also like, I don't know if it's spiritually or like a... How do I say, like, personally or just in life or whatever, you feel like lost, like you're doing the wrong job, you're the wrong friends in the wrong country. <laughs> um, like, not just like location, but just like you feel like, you know, lost, directionless. So I mm. think there's different aspects. You could be both. Um, I've been both. <laughs> I've been oh, both. <laughs> yeah. So that's what lost is to me, I guess. I love that. And I love that you described it with by using the North and South Tower. So as soon as you described it and how it's like, oh, you have to take a certain elevator, or as yeah. you would say, lift. Thank you for using the word elevator. Say lift. I, I like, know. Hey. I was like, <laughs> uh, but, yeah. I mean, when you have to take a certain elevator or like a certain route to get to 
a specific side of the building. Yeah, that like as soon as you said that, I was like, oh my gosh, I totally know the feeling because it's like one lost physically, but then also this frustration of oh, did I just do that? <laughs> and also like I don't know like if you were ever like a waitress, but I used to like yeah, I was a cheese bartender. Okay, but that wasn't a place, right? That was like in a place. Yes. I used to go to like I used to do I used to do events, and this was um, like before Google Maps was like a really big thing, and so I used to go all over like London, and when I would get lost, which was every event, every single event, I would get lost. It would just I would then spiral, being like, why am I even doing this? Why am I even here? Like this isn't a real job. Like I don't want to do this anymore. Oh like it would gosh. spiral my like internal lostness because I was physically lost. Oh my yeah. gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like that's so true. Even in like when we're talking about it from a, I guess the best word that you used was directionless. Like when you get double lost, um, it's just like, I think exaggerates the feeling even more. Cause then you're just like, gosh, like this is so dumb. I can't believe I did this. It's like when I make a decision that I wasn't really sure about anyways, and then I like hastily did it. And then a dirt because of that decision I made hastily, something else happens like on the way to blah, blah, blah. And then it like makes me reconsider everything where I'm just like, this is so dumb. I'm so dumb. I can't believe I did this. Like, yeah. this is like punishment from the universe for not doing blah, blah, blah. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. No. Yeah. And I, and I, I know that I'm going to have that feeling on Wednesday because I have a dog's appointment that oh, I've gosh. never been to. I know I'm going to get lost and I know like these feelings are going to come up like what I do this time I should have done this time I should have done better like why am I doing yeah yeah Yeah. I let me know how that goes I I hope you know you don't feel so lost or don't get as lost I'm I'm prepared for it like I'm fully prepared for it I like how you've prepared for the lostness yeah I'm I've accepted it I do have anxiety about it though Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I hope, I hope it's easy. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> Let me get into the other questions because there are lots of things I want to cover about pop culture, about tech, about classism. I feel like we always have lots of different conversations on various platforms, by the way. Um, <laughs> at the same time. Yeah. At the same time, like George and I will be talking <laughs> on Instagram. It'll be one conversation and then we go into TikTok. It'll be another conversation. And then sometimes we'll be like emailing each other. It's another one. It's great. Yeah. Let me get into the pop culture stuff because I feel like anything pop culture, I am turning to you. Yes. And it's like, my happy place. yeah. And not even like surface level pop culture. I'm talking about like deep, deep pop culture stuff. Like you do. So you send me some things on Instagram and even like TikTok where I'm like, whoa. Um, so to start it off, do you have a favorite pop culture moment? That is like asking a mother, like, Who's your favorite child? (laughs) So I narrowed it down to four. Okay, I'll take it. The first one is, I think it's quite nostalgic. It's the end of Friends, which basically was like a really big deal. I feel like there hasn't been a TV show that has been as big. And I remember that just being everywhere. Even in the UK, it was like specials on TV. It was all over like the the magazines and stuff like that. So it's like my, my, my kind of first memory of pop culture being like a big thing, like that pop culture moment. But obviously, last year with the Spitgate with Harry Styles and my favorite Chris Pine, that oh, I was like Spitgate. That was just the most bizarre thing in the world. That was just, I like the whole the whole press tour and the whole thing. I could like literally like honestly want to write a book about it, but I won't. 
Then um, I want to make this reference, but I feel like you you haven't seen The White Lotus, have you? No, actually, when you were like the ending of Friends, I was like, you know, I actually have never seen the ending of Friends. I know, but anyways, I know. but like, but like, it wasn't just the ending of Friends; it was like a whole closure. So like, yeah, all the TV, you know, all the stations. Anyway, it was a big deal. But the White Lotus season two was just oh my god, and I'm not going to say too much, but basically, there's this no spoilers. Who's like late now. She, she, she's like these gays they're trying to murder me and then it was just like it took over this whole thing on tiktok it was fantastic and then obviously pedro pascal that's just a oh cultural moment God. within itself <laughs> because like i've been watching him since game of thrones mm. and like i've always loved him and i feel like he's finally getting the attention he deserves i mean and it is it questionable <laughs> yeah is it questionable yeah like yeah 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 like his recent stalker and everything that's quite like horrific what? Okay, so you this is where I go this. to get my news. Yeah, Georgia fills me in on my pop culture news too. Like, 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 th- th- there's one thing to create like these like videos of him, like great, and you know, I'm like celebrate him. That's great. I'm glad he's getting all the attention, all the likes, all the views, all the interviews. Like he was on Graham Norton. That's like the UK's biggest interview. Like that's such a big deal. Like even my mom tuned in to watch him. Right, my oh mom my doesn't God. know anything. But basically, so he pre-strike he was filming Gladiator Two in Malta somebody a person I don't know who exactly by the way we know this because they wrote about it um oh flew from the states to America to Malta so with their own money so whoever this is they've got money and they painted their nails Pedro Pascal's favorite color which I don't even know what that is I don't even anyway they went to because Malta I guess isn't the world's biggest place so they knew you know where he was filming they went to the beach where he was usually like where he usually like hung out kind of like went towards him and the security guard had to stop and in the post they were like well I guess I did all of that for nothing you don't even appreciate your fans and it's like you literally just stalk someone you just stalk someone it's yeah yeah so it's kind of gone to like an unhinged level yeah it's not nice but I'm glad he's getting the recognition (laughs) he deserves oh my gosh okay so it was he's not uh, a nepo baby you gotta he's a nice he's like a nice guy you gotta support that (laughs) can you describe what a nepo baby is for the people who are listening who might not know because i feel like that is pure gen z speak from tiktok it's nepo is short for nepotism and obviously nepotism is where you get your job through family and friends and recently like it's always been a thing i'm not gonna like deny that in every industry no one's saying it's not but recently it takes the cost of living is very high. So to explore and do your creative things like acting, it's it's almost near impossible. So like many children, Nepo babies are now actors and some of them good and some of them need to be stopped. <laughs> yeah. So if you don't know what a Nepo baby is, I actually didn't at first. I saw it all over TikTok and then I had to Google because I was like, this makes sense. I totally get it. There's a name for it now because it's such a big thing. Yes. Yeah. It just, it just is. Like I said, some of them are very good. Some of them are not. (laughs) So on the contrary of your favorite pop culture moments, do you have pop culture moments that have made you feel totally cringe or like, oh, this is when I feel like society as a whole needs to take a moment and sit down and think about what they've just done. So um, what you're referring to is the ick. Um, Yes. Yes. And I'm going to talk about a nepo baby. Um, (laughs) Yeah, he's an English Nepo baby, actually. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't think you're going to know him. Matty no. Healy. Do you know him? Oh, okay. wait. Yes, yes. I think you I know do his name. know this person. Mm-hmm. 
I have to Google after to like put a face to the name, but I've heard that name. So he is um, the lead singer of a band called 1975. He is the child of uh, two British actors. He has said some horrific things. Is he the one that's dating Taylor Swift? We'll get there. Okay. This is like a whole process. All right. He said some horrific things that I'm not going to repeat, but everyone can look it up. I actually wrote about it because it's like, it's not okay. Against women, specifically women of color, really just nasty, nasty stuff. Then he dated Taylor Swift and people were either defending her, being like, well, we all make mistakes. And it was notably the, the, the white women defending her. And then another group of her fans basically wrote to her. And it was like a weird, we're going to put you in a Britney Hold type of vibe if you don't sort your life. It was really weird. Oh like, God. again, yeah, I know fans are unhinged right now. And then so basically they broke up, whatever. Taylor Swift has like nothing to do with the actual moment I'm going to talk about, but just like the timeline of it all. So he went to Malaysia with his band 1975 to do a, a concert or something. And basically, he did not do his research about the country or anything. So they, when he got there, he basically, um, their LGBTQ laws aren't, they're yeah. not great. So he got up on stage, he criticized that, and then he kissed a man. Now, I did see this. Why? Yeah. Yeah. The, this is, why is this problematic? Well, an English guy coming to another country telling people how to do things. Where have we heard this before? Um, <laughs> Sounds like a very... Uh well-played narrative yeah so there's that there's colonization and also many creators people from malaysia kind of took to tiktok being like this is all well and good for you you're going to leave but the government could crack down even harder on the community Mm. you've just you know screwed it up basically but there were many people like defending him saying it was like Mm. the right thing to do and it was very cringy and yes Mm. okay so that takes me Actually, to my second question, because you kind of just like totally summarized the ick. Is there something that you think all of us who consume pop culture, which I think is a a lot of people, is there something that we need to be more critical or aware of within pop culture? Or I guess not aware of because like that's consuming it. But after we consume it, is there something that you think we need to be more critical of? Yes. I don't know how to like express this coherently but I guess is it media literacy or critical thinking Mm. like maybe both maybe maybe one or the other because if you go on and the thing is like I don't know if it's if it's the speed that you can just click on your phone and start recording Mm. maybe people used to think about it more maybe they didn't I don't know but many things lack nuance they lack taking a beat just to think about it and basically critical thinking. So I don't know if you know who Sydney Sweeney is and don't worry if you yes, don't. Yes, I do. I you do, okay. Yeah, she was the that? actress that played Cassie. In Euphoria? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you watch Euphoria, but not Mad Men? Is no, that I've never watched talking? Euphoria. Um, okay, I was, my so, heart was going to break. No, no, no. I've only watched, <laughs> for all the people who are listening, Georgia has sent me plenty of memes and also messages, very direct ones, being like, you need yeah. to watch Mad Men. Yeah. I don't have a TV at all um like we don't have one in the house and then mario and i we don't have any streaming platforms so i don't watch any series just so the people who are listening are like what so i've only watched clips of everything on tiktok everybody i only watch my tv shows quote unquote through tiktok clips so that's how i know who sydney sweeney is my heart just broke even more just hearing (laughs) that no 
Okay, so I, I actually know her from season one of White Lotus. She was incredible, but she's very much like a Gen Z actress. So she basically, a few months ago, gave an interview saying, like, by the time she pays her agents, she pays for, like, her house and blah, 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 blah. She barely makes any money. And she got a lot of shit for that. She got so much shit. People were saying that she's spoiled, she's out of touch, blah, blah, blah. Now, a few months later, we cut to the writer's strike. We're learning how little mm. these actors actually get paid, right? And I think... At the time, I was like, why are people shitting on her? Like, it costs a lot to be um, an actress. It costs a lot to live in. And you have to live in L.A. or I guess New York. You you, you kind of have no choice. Um, and I don't think she was whining about it. I think she was just stating a fact. But no one took a beat. No one kind of thought maybe because she's new, she might not get paid a lot. Or maybe if she doesn't have family money supporting her then, you know, she she needs to live on the little money she gets. No one thought about that. They just went online and criticised her. And there's many, like, examples of this. So I think just, like, critical thinking, media literacy, nuance, taking time. Pop culture is very rapid, especially at this point in time. And I think the same rules apply to pop culture as anything else. Just take a minute and think, people. Hmm. So question on the media literacy. How... Could somebody develop media literacy? Damn, that's a good question. In the same way that I, I would read a history source, who made the video? Mm. If not, who made it? Who is funding the video? Mm. Um, do they have a notarial motive? I don't mean like, you know, are they going to take over the world? No, I mean, um, are they trying to sell you something? Like, especially so many content creators and actresses and actors and musicians, they don't make money from the actual art. They make money from commercials and getting sponsored. So they are a brand way more than celebrities of the past, big or small. Everyone's got a motive. So I think the first thing is take take a step, again, take a step back. Who is making this? Who's funding it? Do they have something to gain? Do they not? I think asking these questions could help guide you in the right direction. Also following accounts that break it down. Mm. I do think, especially now, because of the way the internet is moving and also just with like social media and what you were saying, like brands. And I feel like I talked about this in season one when we when I brought up parasocial relationships, like the idea of what a personal brand is or who we follow for guidance, who we follow for news has drastically changed in the past 10, 15 years. Like we didn't follow Instagram accounts for our news or for things that are happening around the world. We didn't follow, maybe some people follow Twitter accounts, but I felt like, I feel like back then, 15 years ago, I was 15, maybe 15, 16. And I didn't think to follow a Twitter account to get my news updates. I did. Oh, really? I was really into politics. Not because it, you know, I had to, but because it was interesting to me oh, at the time. Oh, interesting. Yeah. But do you think then like that news has changed too? Like what they share? Well, now it's X. So, you know, now it's owned by Musk. Can't even talk about it. Yeah. So the whole thing is a mess. Honestly, at least I, I can't speak for the US because I, I don't know there or any other country other than the UK because I'm aware of other news outlets, but I, I'm not intimate. In the UK, I will say that Maybe not the way that they report news has changed, but I do feel like there has been a, a shift in, mm. in the left and the right, specifically more everything more to the right. Like we have a whole new news channel 
and um, my my mother watches it and it terrifies me. It's kind of like our oh, Fox News. Oh, interesting. Um, I guess that's the equivalent. I think I uh, the best, and that didn't exist. So I do think maybe not necessarily the way that we report it, but I think more news things have popped up. Mm. That's for the good and the bad, I guess, because I guess maybe more grassroots news, mm. okay. potentially like local area news or something could have popped up. But yeah, mm. X. Yeah, Sometimes. that would have to be a whole other podcast uh, episode. Documentary. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we said media literacy and critical thinking for people who consume a lot of pop culture and something to be aware of or something to bear aware of after you consume. So do you think there's anything actually missing from the pop culture narrative? I feel like you said it before, which was like nuance or like taking time to process, but is there something else? The thing is, the issue nowadays is pop culture, like in 19, like 1990 or whatever, even 2000. Okay, I'm going to use 2000 because I was alive then. It was like uh, Paris, <laughs> Paris Hilton, uh, Nicole Richie, Britney Spears. And yeah. I got everything from Perez Hilton, which. Oh, yes. I think as a, as a young teenage girl was a mistake, but you live yeah, in Yeah, his, his uh, media oh. outlet was. Very questionable. I did consume this content too. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm not the only one. I I lived for it. I'm not going to lie. I lived for it. And obviously, you know, these were all celebrities in their own rights. Now pop culture has blended with TikTok, with Instagram, with influencers. And everything is so blurred, so blurred. So now you see singers or Hollywood stars with TikTok influencers. It's really surreal. It's like you've hired that person to be there for internet clout it's like really weird so I do think just being aware that everything you watch is is probably fake to some extent Mm. and your favorite is probably not that great of a person I love that you're saying this mainly because I do feel like whenever we open up any social media app, we automatically put on like rose colored glasses or something, especially if we have specific people that we love consuming content from. And I feel like I talked about this in the parasocial relationships episode, which I will link in the show notes. If you all haven't listened to it and you can go back and listen to it. Most of the time you don't really know. And also a lot of people use, well, I do this for work, but like a lot of people, we use social media as a way to sell or as a way to now, I mean, I specifically use it one to sell for my clients. I use it for them to sell. And then um, if not to sell, it is basically to create a portfolio. So somebody can then hire me. Like I'm not using Instagram how it was when it first came out and we all shared food pictures with filters on it. Like I'm using it so that somebody can see my work like me like how I do and create and write, and then hire me as a creator, hire me as a creative director, hire me as their marketing agency. So there are multiple ways for them to actually hire me. Like I'm like, I was just talking to um, my other friend about it and we were like, oh, do you have like a Finsta, like a fake Instagram account or like a personal account? And she was like, no, I tried creating one. And then after I created one, I was like, this is the stupidest thing ever. Like, I don't want to be here. Like, why would I share about my life on social media? And I thought the same because I created a fake account, personal account as well, kind of being like, oh, well, if I'm not going to share on my like personal brand account, 
then I'm just going to share like fun things that I want to share about. And it really made me think this is dumb. Like, I don't want to be here. I'm here so that I can get hired and I can get paid. Why am I sharing things with like my friends? You can call me. And I don't know if that's just like old school thinking. I agree with you. Am I old? (laughs) But but we're not. But I also think Gen Z have it too. They just express it in a different way. Mm. So obviously their, their platform is TikTok. I've seen videos and the people have also addressed this. And it's not just, I don't, I want to say it's not just Gen Z, but obviously they're the main generation on TikTok. So whatever. And even if they're crying on the internet, which I cannot imagine because I don't yeah, even, that, I, 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 I want to do it. I would love, I would cry about so many things, but I just can't. You have to set a camera up to cry and then you have to edit it and then you have to upload. That's a whole process. That's curation. That's, yeah. that's curated. It's not all curated, but it, it is curated in the same way that they invented um the oh I forgot the words the the different like pictures like you know like one of the zoomed in food and the other like you looking a mess like it's not mm. as picture perfect as the millennial kind of vibe that's still curated everything is curated different styles yeah exactly they might think it's spontaneous or it might appear spontaneous it's not it's just a, a different version mm. Whether or not Gen Alpha is going to be like that, I'm not sure. I've heard people say that they are going to think that Gen Z's openness is cringy and going to retreat back, which I'm Mm. excited to see. But I don't know if the powers that be, the businesses, the social media will allow that Mm. because they're going to make money somehow. Yeah. And now everybody's pushing um, original content on social media, like whatever that is could be the curated stuff. It could be like, you know, you crying and then putting together like bits and bars, like a mash of things for a video. And I think what is happening now is a lot of uh, social media platforms are pushing for, for everybody basically to build a personal brand. If you want to reach certain audiences on that platform, like you could be on that platform, just consuming. And that is one thing. Um, and then there's a, the other side, which is the person creating the stuff that people consume. And I feel like all the platforms are pushing towards that. So aside from the pop culture stuff, I want to get into the tech because there's a lot to talk about in in tech. And we kind of got into it now with like social media and stuff. But um, everyone is talking about the advancement of tech, especially because we're talking about open AI. Literally, it's just open AI right now. And I guess a whole bunch of other stuff can and how it's actually helpful. So like the advancement of technology and how it's so helpful and all of this stuff. What if we looked at all of this advancement of technology through privilege? Is there something that you think that we are missing from the conversation? Some things. Got it. Um, You could look at this from a world perspective or within your own country, but from a world perspective, I looked this up actually, and there's going to be, there, there is it's going to be there is a massive divide uh, between the global north and the global south. And AI is predicted, I think, this is according to the World Economic Forum, by the way, is expected to make like over $15 trillion by 2030. AI. Whoa. Like $15 trillion. The majority of that is going to go to America and China. Mm. But, and by America, I mean North America and the USA and, and China. The rest of the countries just won't make that much money. So a country like the USA that's already rich is basically going to become even richer and that also has fallout effects you know many countries have expressed displeasure in people from the usa gentrifying 
the, mm-hmm. the countries and cities. Um, so that's a huge issue. Uh, you also have basically a digital divide between the global south and the global south and global north, which basically means like access to like laptops mm. and and equipment. But that also exists within. I'm going to guess it's going to exist within the, the the USA. But I know it exists within the UK. When um it was locked down, children obviously had their their classes online. Many 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 parents didn't have laptops, any headphones, or if they had a laptop, it was one and like three kids or two kids. Yeah. That's not going to work. So there's a huge digital divide across, and again, like that's class or I, that's global north, global south type thing. You also have, which I think is like deeply, deeply disturbing. Have you heard of the the facial recognition that the that the police in the USA are using in certain states? Yes. Yeah. So basically, they uh, not all of them, but some of them are AI powered. And the thing about AI is, AI is great, but who is AI? Who taught AI? Like, who's the mm. parents of AI? It's humans, and humans have biases. So they're usually like white men, right? From the global north. And so facial recognition services, uh, things are being used, and it can't tell black people apart, mm. meaning that there are many wrongful arrests, many wrongful arrests. As opposed to what was happening prior. Yeah. It exacerbated the issue. Yeah, mm. exactly. It exacerbated the issue. So technology is often sold as, as the great equalizer. And it has potential to be, I mean, anyone that's seen Star Trek kind of has that dream. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not, it's not. It continues to do the work that we are currently doing, which is not great. So mm. heating up the planet, racism, patriarchy, all of these things are like exacerbating issues between financial inequalities between global north and global south. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. tech. <laughs> tech, invest. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Oh. <laughs> Thank you for sharing all of that. I do feel like, you know, I've seen so many different things on LinkedIn and a lot of articles talking specifically about open AI chat GPT, if we want to get granular, because chat GPT has taken over at least my industry, which is marketing and like content creation and all of that yeah. stuff. And it's something that I always tell people is, okay, chat GPT, sure, you can use it. I'm not going to, I'm not here to tell you what to use or don't use for your marketing, but you have to like come at it with a critical eye because like Georgia was saying, like who created these open AI sources and what system was it created under? It was created under our current system. And when I'm talking systems, I'm talking multiple. It was created under a racist system. It was created under an extremely capitalist one. It was created under the patriarchy. So all of these things, like ChatGPT doesn't like, you know, skip them, doesn't absolve those things. And also it's pulling from old records anyways, because it's not like on the internet, it's just in the cloud or whatever it is. I don't know what it fully is. It's offline. I know that. I could be wrong, so people don't come after me, but I think the the most 2021 or no, 2022 was the last date, December 2022. Was it 2022? For some reason, I thought it, it was 2011. It could be 21. I think it could be uh, 21. Okay. 2021? Somebody maybe? message us if you're listening to this and you actually know the real date. Um, <laughs> Let us know. But I know it's not like the most accurate. And also, if it's created under this, like it is just recreating biases and um, stereotypical representation of people, specifically people of color. 
specifically black people, specifically indigenous people, specifically people who have like disabilities. Um, all of those things are just following a really old narrative that needs to kind of be questioned. I mean, I'm, yeah, everybody's like, oh yeah, everybody's talking about the advancement in tech. And of course, I'm sure ChatGPT also helps people in other ways that I probably don't know because I am an able-bodied person and I also speak English. So I bring in already a, quite a bit of privilege because I think I was just talking to a friend here in Spain and her marketing agency uses it, but she was like the Spanish version of whatever ChatGPT is that she uses is not very good. So she actually, and she works also as a translator. So she actually pulls in things in English and then she'll translate it because the Spanish version just doesn't give the same amount of information, which is wow. interesting. So does that mean that ChatGPT is being used in different languages? Is it not? Is it not being like developed as quickly because more people are putting in questions and prompts in English? And then that also creates disparity because English already is seen as the privileged language and the global language. So all the people who maybe don't speak English, how are you going to get like the best and accurate information? Is there the best and accurate information? That's like a whole other thing. Yeah. And that lies into the bigger problem of tech and the global dominance of one country, which is the USA. A lot of the tech country, a lot of the tech companies are coming from the USA. Like, I mean, the heavy hitters, mm. like the UK and Europe also have like nothing like Facebook or Meta, sorry. We're just <laughs> like, confusing all the names here. Twitter X. Yeah. yeah, X, you know, um, all of these kind of big, the ones that have the power and if it comes from another country like China, then they challenge it completely and try and get it to be like banned or whatever, which is insane. But they all do the same thing. Yeah. So this is, it's only exacerbating not just wealth inequality, but as you said, like language, mm. I guess, inequality, like cultural, cultural organization. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. One of, yeah. One of our clients, um, she is an intercultural intelligence facilitator or also like a designer specialist. And she was talking to me about cultural imperialism. And if we want to get into it, um, globalization in general. Um, but I do think, and this is actually something that I talked about in my TEDx talk. Um, I've linked that in the show notes. But technology, I think, has sped up globalization which is kind of cool, I guess, if we want to think about it on like economic level, or if you want to think about, you know, just the way the world is advancing, maybe it makes sense to have one culture. But the thing is, because technology is advancing globalization at such a rapid rate, which culture though is actually dominating if we are to create one culture, which language is dominating, which religion, which type of way of thinking, like, you know, those things need to be examined because, yeah, globalization, I guess, is cool. And like we are all connected and we can be connected. You can make a friend all over the world um, and then literally become that person's best friend and we become more connected. But also what's happening to the greater society, if you want to think At about cost. That. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Again, like it's, 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 what I, it's what we were talking about earlier. The amount of people from the USA that assume that when someone else is writing in English, mm. they're from the USA. They could be literally from anywhere else in the world and their country might not even speak English. It might be their person's second, third, fourth, fifth language. But they think, oh, the USA is English. Yeah. yeah. So this is, 
I think, symbolic of everything. It's not great. And the thing is, it's not going to stop either because it makes too much money. Yeah. And money makes the world go round. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I feel like we got like really deep and intense, um, which I love these types of conversations, but I am also curious, are there any specific current technology advancements you're exploring and excited about? And also, how has technology helped you as a neurodivergent person? So I'm into technology because I I, I don't see a good end in sight. Uh, so as someone who's like not you know, I did humanities and social sciences. I'm, I'm not an engineer or a scientist. So I have been exploring and just looking at different options. One of them I am deeply curious about. I don't know why more people are using it, aren't using it. And I just feel like it's money, but whatever. So, you know, like fast fashion is an issue. So when companies make clothes to sell to you, they make, um, they're not called previews, but like, like mock-ups, mm-hmm. right? It takes a lot of material. That takes a lot of planning. Now you can do it digitally. And like the material that is not just like really bad, like special effects. It's really good. It's like really cool. That saves a lot of material and a lot of waste. And that has the potential to go really far. So rather than make thousands of different mock-ups, because don't forget, you don't just make one. Like someone might say, okay, you know what, change the color of the bow. Or you know what, drop the sleeves. With 3D design, you can really fix that, which is fantastic. And additionally, now we have the power to say, like, okay, here's the design. If you want it, buy it now. And that will mean you'll have to wait as a consumer. But then if a thousand people order it, they'll make a thousand rather than we're going to make 50,000 and then 20,000 people buy it and 30,000 get sent Mm -hmm. like to be burned. That I think would be great if more companies, obviously, like especially for like smaller companies, that might be an issue in terms of cost and also like to get a 3D designer and to do all of that, I think would be quite a hard task when it's quite new. But the bigger companies, I feel like they could do it. But we as a consumer would have to readjust to our uh, next day delivery Mm. kind of fetish, if you will. Yeah. That I think could be very powerful. But again, I don't know if these models will be adopted under capitalism. Mm. Um, It's been used, I think, maybe in the bigger designers. Mm-hmm. Like, like the bougie ones. Yeah. I'm not seeing it in great use now, which is a shame because, you know, money. But to answer your second question, as a neurodivergent person, for those of you that don't know, I have ADHD. It's really fun and I want to die sometimes. <sighs> but basically, if you put in like a really like long article, I say long, it could be two paragraphs, depending on how you're feeling. Like sometimes like I can read, but like nothing, I can't like focus. It can give you bullet points. Or for example, like writing emails, I, I find really hard. It can tell you what to write. And like, I'm like, oh yeah, okay. Even if I don't copy and paste, I can be like, oh, I'm going to write a line like this. So for doing like kind of admin tasks, I think mm. it's quite useful. Um, is this ChatGPT or just like open AI? I use ChatGPT. ChatGPT is like, I think the main one. It's just the most productive. Again, if you're going to do research, I would make, I ask it to make me cite sources. And then I look up the sources myself. Don't just trust what it says, people. Don't trust what it says. Yeah. But for stuff like emails, and I have trouble processing audio, so then I copy and paste like the actual words. Hmm. And then it, again, puts it in bullet points. So it's really easy and fun, and it can make you a productive member of society when <laughs> you have to work. <laughs> when you have to work. I do. Yeah, yeah. I 
I like that. And I like how it helps you with admin things. Cause I do feel like there are just some admin stuff. I mean, I am neurotypical. So they say, who knows, but a lot of the admin things I can see how it would take a lot of energy to go through and just do it all. So yeah, yeah I love that. It helps you kind of like summarize bullet points and then kind of just make things easier. Also, if you're from another culture, English isn't your second language, it isn't your first language, are neurodivergent or all of the above. I had a situation where I wanted to write an email, but I knew, not an email, message on LinkedIn, but I knew, knew if I did it, it would be like too blunt, like too direct. Because like uh, people who are neurodivergent usually are a little bit more direct and it's seen as quite rude. Also, like I I am working class. I am very blunt. (laughs) That's I'm from London, so <laughs> yeah, I'm from London, yeah. so I'm very blunt. Got a lot of layers um, here. Yes, yeah, so you can ask, you can explain the situation to ChatGPT, and it writes an appropriate message, which is great. Especially if I feel like if you're working in the corporate or tech world or a very professional, that's an air quotes, people, professional environment, and you don't know the lay of the land or how to appropriately speak. Especially like American corporate speak is a little bit difficult for me to understand what's Mm. going on so ChatGPT can tell you what to write which I think is very useful Mm, interesting I never thought about it like that so helpful oh my goodness okay so going from technology we you mentioned that you are working class so I'm gonna take us to the next part um, or a set of questions that I've got for you classism and I feel like we have had so many conversations just you and I about around classism and something that I think the United States is not very aware of is actually classism I don't know if this is me coming from a middle class privilege so like my parents uh I think I mentioned this maybe in season one but if you don't know um they came to the USA after the Vietnam War in the 80s. So my parents are immigrants slash refugees. Um, I was born specifically in the United States in an area of the U.S., which is called Northern Virginia, that is very, very, very influenced by Washington, D.C. So like my area is considered, I think, one of the more expensive areas to live in. And it's very diverse. It's really fun, I guess. I don't live there now, but it is fun. But yeah, coming from like my middle class privilege, I don't know if me saying that sounds like super, super tone deaf. So if you have a different opinion, please let me know. Send me a message on Instagram and we can chat about it. Um, I will correct myself if I am wrong. Um, But how do you think classism plays a role in pop culture and tech? I guess from UK standpoint or even like globally, what have you seen? I also just want to quickly add in, I do think Americans or people from the USA do not acknowledge class. (laughs) On a, on a grand scale, yeah. it's not a. It's not a. It sometimes talks about, but it's it's usually other identities, and it's weird because class does affect every identity there is. Is but then if you were to acknowledge class, you'd have to spoil the American dream, and that's not. Ah, what cares about. that's it. Yeah. So that's. that's I'll ask you about that. that after this question. And an extension of going from the American dream. Yes, I do have a really big one in really fucked me off okay do you know who Sophia Ritchie is yes did she just get married excellent yes I know I'm so happy you know that (laughs) so for those of you that don't know she's Lionel Richie's daughter Lionel Richie is a singer from the 80s so she's no stranger to wealth and fame 
whoever does her branding, her market branding, because she's a brand, right? No, whoever does her marketing, her PR has done an amazing job. I will give them that. So basically, the only way to say this is she went from dressing like the Kardashians, which I want to say there's nothing wrong if that's how you want to dress, that's how you want to dress, to a more older style of dressing, what's considered classic. And then she had a wedding. And again, whoever done that, done a bang up job. And people are now referring to her as like kind of like the old money aesthetic. What did old money do apart from, you know, colonize, enslave people, exploit? So when you were saying, oh, like, I want to look old money, like, what does that mean? Mm. What does that mean? So I think that's inherently classes. And I have seen a few creators address this. Even in Colombia, I see like old money aesthetic in English followed by Spanish, Spanish, Spanish shows. It's, it's literally like everywhere. But I think people don't realize what it means to be old money. Mm. Um, which is quite worrying. Again, critical thinking and a little bit of history. And even if you look at like the people who are still old money now, they're not great people or they're not doing great things. Mm. They're still exploiting people in one way or another. As for tech, I don't even know where to begin with tech because it's mostly a male-dominated industry from the Ivy Leagues, I guess, of the world or specifically North America that's the middle to upper classes right there. I don't, yeah. and especially within a certain group, usually like white white men, right? So it's like, again, see how class intersects with stuff. Yay. No, but yeah. Um, so they're creating these apps or these platforms. And then the way to be successful on these platforms is if you are, or if you do have money, like filming in a nice aesthetic mm. with like, you know, great equipment. You have the time to do it because goodness knows if you're working two or three jobs, you're not going to want to sit there and be like, okay, guys, because what I'm doing today. No. So it's these platforms built by these primarily middle class, Ivy League educated, you know, people, men, white men from North America. And then the people that are being successful on it are the rich people. Mm, yeah. All the upper class. Because I want to say, I know in the States, class equates to money but that's that's not in in the uk it's a little bit different it can equate to money but there's also like new money class is also culture Mm, can you explain that a little bit that's digging deep into the british psyche but basically there's this idea of old money or new money so a really obvious example of this and again if this is what you want to wear there's no judgment a new money would be like the graphic logo tees like that's Mm. like a designer name right yeah old money People say like old money whispers. So you could wear like a cashmere sweater and Mm. you walk past it. You think it's nothing. That thing's worth like $2,000. Or again, bags. Did you, you didn't see Succession, did you? No. (laughs) Okay. So uh, Succession is, they're actually new money, but obviously they, they mix in new old money circles. But there was a woman who, one of the characters called Greg was dating at the time. And for those that watch Succession, they're going to know exactly what I mean. She came to an event with a Burberry bag. The Burberry bag was like this big and it had the Burberry design all over. And like another guy commented, um, was like, oh, it's a ludicrously capacious bag. And basically she didn't know the rules is kind of Mm. what he was referring to. And so he was like, what is she carrying her flats for the subway? Like that kind of thing. He was like, there are a set of rules that new money kind of don't do and bringing a big bag that screams designer to a low-key event is not not it's not done yeah and old money like in the uk they go to i know in the usa it's the same too but they go to certain schools Mm. and then they become prime ministers or politicians or presidents Mm. um this is the thing 
new money, big shiny cars. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's knowing how to do rich people things. Mm. That's old money. No matter if you win the lottery tomorrow, you won't know how to fit in with these people. That's new money. So it's not just money. It's a mix of both, I think, play into it. Yeah. So it's like money, but then also behaviors and Mm -hmm. trends and like norms and values Mm -hmm. like people would call it class like having class you're a classy person that's what it means Hmm. interesting okay yeah did not know that now that you've explained it I can see it in like play out in everything else that you know I I see in the United States and maybe also here in Spain but anyways, okay, back to the questions around classism. You mentioned that the United States doesn't want to acknowledge classism because it would completely derail this concept that we have of the American dream. And I am super curious about that, mainly because I'm like, as soon as you said it, I was like, oh, it true. It is so true, at least in my opinion. Um, and if you are listening, you're like, what the fuck? Let us know. Yeah. Send us please a don't message. Hate me. Yeah. People in the USA, I know I'm English, but please don't hate me. (laughs) Can you explain a little bit around that concept? Um, Because coming, me coming from an immigrant background, like my parents came, you know, they came from nothing. My dad came and arrived to the United States with just the clothes on his back. They now have a lovely house in the suburbs. They put three kids through college. Like I don't have debt. That I'm like, Oh, that is amazing though, because like my parents did it. They went from zero to like having this lovely life and like are semi-retired. But I can also see how, you know, this idea of the American dream almost kept them. And I would have to ask them and kind of like confirm, but I do see it that they've just worked their entire lives. And now like my parents are semi-retired. My mom is doing well. My dad is kind of like, oh, what do I do? I'm not totally sure. You know, yeah, get hobbies, whatever. But they've both been working for so long. And yes, they put me and my sisters through college, but at what cost for their own? Like, I mean, they were just in survival mode for like most of their life. But yeah, I would love to hear from you and kind of break this down. So I will, I do want to acknowledge that the USA, more than the UK and several other countries, is a place that you can make it. Yeah. And by make it, I mean Pedro Pascal is, <laughs> is the one of the perfect examples of this. His, his parents came from Chile. They escaped the dictatorship in, in Chile. I think they're back in the country now and he's like a global superstar and your parents proof as well. And I do. And if you watch like anything from like Downton Abbey or anything of that kind of a genre, like you have the stuffy rich English family and there's always like an obligatory American and they make and they're like, oh, oh, yeah, over there you can do anything like, oh, like as if, as if say like, you know, our rules are better or the American comes in and says something outlandish mm. like, um, oh yeah, my, my dad worked in a factory and I'm a journalist and the English people are like, oh, horrific. How could this possibly happen? So the USA, given how it developed, it has become a place for people to, to make it. That, that aspect is, I think, more true than other countries. That said, I don't think it's as true as, People, both American, both people from the USA and outside would like to believe. Like, as you said, like your parents worked and they 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 worked. It's not ideal. Yeah. And I'm confused as to what people think work means as well, Mm. because the people that work two or three jobs, are are they are they not working hard too? Yeah. Is that not an issue? I, I don't quite understand what makes someone's work more worth more. Mm. than others 
it doesn't quite make sense. Like if you're working in a diner and then you're working in a factory or you're doing DoorDash or whatever, that's still working if I'm not mistaken. I think there isn't, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, in certain states or cities specifically, I'm thinking of like New York specifically, there are many options. If you go down to like the middle or southern states, there's not as many options and you need a car uh, specifically. Yeah, again, that's like class issues as well, like within a country. And again, if you look a certain way, yeah. Uh, if you have a certain accent, if you're from a certain country, if your name appears a certain way, you're not going to get hired. So it's not equal. It's not the land of equal opportunities. The USA has survived so long because of this narrative. And I was watching The Real Housewives of New York season 14. Oh for anybody for anybody that watches it, please message me. I, I need I need this. It's like, so Cassandra, they, they had a whole reboot. So they have like new, new housewives. I mean, I love it. I, I do. I'm going to say this, but it's propaganda. So mm. you, so it's very like elite. Like it's New York money. Like New York money is different than any other money. Like it's like you've got to be richer right there. So you have like the majority of the women come from generational wealth, but one mm. of them didn't. And she basically came from nothing, an abusive household. And, you know, good on her. She's, she's lovely. This is not to do with her. But it's kind of like perpetuating this. You too can be on the Real Housewives of New York mm. if you just persist, persist. And rather than acknowledge the inequalities like healthcare, food deserts, you know about food deserts. Yeah, Yeah, food deserts. For those that don't know, like a food desert in the USA is when people can't access fresh food within like a a reasonable distance. Mm -hmm. And by fresh food, I mean veg. Uh, Yeah, exactly. And everything is just very like microwavy, artificial. Yeah. Well, that's not the American dream. How are you supposed to succeed when you can't even like put proper nutrition in you? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So it's interesting the way that the propaganda machine works, but it's such a good show. Again, <laughs> see, it works. Like it's 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 a well-oiled machine that works. Yeah. However, yeah, this is the thing. It's interesting. Mm. I, yeah, I feel like, and I'm asking you these questions, not really to like fully break down the system. Of course, I want to like burn it down and rebuild it. And if you follow Georgia on Instagram, her literal handle is I want to burn this place down. Um, but I do think we need to have more conversations around this, especially me specifically, because, you know, I live outside of the US now and I came from middle class, even if my parents and my family came from lower class. So I can see, yay, privilege, and I get to like live this lifestyle that I do now, but also understand that this might not be a reality for a lot of people. And within like the conversation that we had just now about pop culture and technology, like class still plays a really big part in that because like Georgia was saying, people who want to be creators or content creators or have a personal brand, if you are working class, maybe your house isn't set up to film like, and you know, you're not aesthetic and yes, TikTok has changed that a little bit because I've seen like other types of videos, but I do think that it still almost like continues that narrative because yes, people will post, you know, these videos and stuff. And then people in the comments will kind of be like, the way they comment sounds like poverty porn. You know what I mean? Where they're like, oh my gosh, like, and I'm over here complaining about blah, blah, blah. I'm so lucky. Thank you for sharing about your life. And that's such an inspiration. 
Yeah. Right. And that is not necessarily the conversation that sure we can, you can have whatever conversation you want, but like, I feel like that conversation doesn't actually move the needle forward to create more equality or more equity for everybody in the world, especially if we're consuming content literally from everybody in the world and people are getting super rich off of TikTok. And then there are creators who are not getting rich, but then they get lovely comments like this, where they're like, your life is an inspiration. Keep going. You'll make it one day. And I'm like, okay, people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I even like have words for it. I feel like TikTok, at least on my side of TikTok, it's slowly, did you see there was this girl I say this like with gritted teeth because it was just like something out of like Versailles. She was doing, she's doing an internship at Dior in Paris and her apartment, I mean, it's like Versailles kind of like golden paintings everywhere, right? And she's like, get ready with me to go to a ball, a ball, not a prom, (laughs) not a a ball, a literal ball. And I kept seeing her and I was like, I feel so bad about my life. Like she's like a baby by by baby people. I mean, like she's 18. But and then I saw people stitch her saying, no, 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 this is not real. Mm-mm. This is why we need to like have a revolution or like this is exactly why like we need to eat the rich or no, this is no, I can't. I also feel a certain way. It's not just you. And the thing is, they're not the people creating the content. No, they're they're responding to it. So it's mm-hmm. great that they're responding to it. But what content can they create? Because they don't have any balls and Paris yeah. internships in Dior. So again, pros and cons. Yeah. Pros and cons. Yeah, it was a beautiful place. So I'll send you a screenshot after. <laughs> yeah, please. Because I'm like, I don't I, was I don't think I'm on that side of TikTok. So jealous. But then yeah. And like apparently her family are like old money. So mm. You know, I love that you're using old money, new money, because now I like, I understood the concept prior to this conversation, but then because you explained like the culture of it, I'm like, oh yeah, I totally know what George is saying. Once I think it's explained or just even like shown in a picture, like I think it's everywhere. Like it's completely everywhere. And, Mm -hmm. and like Gwyneth Paltrow, she's like older money, George Clooney, and you see it. Yeah, I'm going to have to go Google these people and like put pictures. George Clooney, really? George well, George Clooney, I can tell, especially after you yeah. explained the uh, like aesthetic and like behaviors mm. and all that stuff. Um, I can totally yeah. see that. Okay, but last question before we get into the last, last question. Uh, what solutions have you imagined to create a more equitable world since we were just talking about that through pop culture and tech? So for those of you that don't know me very well, I'm very cynical. So I found I found this question very hard. Mm. Other than the future of Star Trek, uh, <laughs> the Star Trek that shows the future that gives me hope. For those of you that don't know, Star Trek shows uh, an equal society uh, where everyone can be who they want to be and everyone is, is valued equally, no matter skin, race, ethnicity, gender, uh, ability, disability. And tech is used for good. And we will get on with the aliens, apart from certain aliens, but that's a separate issue. Anyway, the point is, it's a utopian future. Yeah. Do you know Grimes? Yes. Actually, we were just talking about Grimes yesterday. I was talking about her with, I forgot who. Okay. So Grimes, for those of you that don't know, is a singer and she's also the baby mama. The mother of, I was going to say baby mama, but I didn't, I didn't know if I should, baby mama. Yeah. yeah. Of, um, of Elon Musk's one of his two of his children he has many children for those of you that don't know if you don't know please do a deep dive because it is disturbing anyway 
Yeah. So she's super into tech and she was on uh, Julia Fox's and Nikki uh, Takesh's podcast, The Forbidden Fruits. And she said this thing that really stuck with me that um, TikTok is like a kind of version of oral history. Mm-hmm. In that sense, TikTok is very e- egalitarian in that anyone can have an opinion. I mean, is, is it always great? No, but it, it is easier to become a celebrity in that sense. Like you have people like Jennifer Aniston saying like, they're not real celebrities, blah, blah, blah. I loved you and friends, Jen, but your dad's an actor. So again, there's only Fenepo babies. So I guess this kind of idea of oral storytelling really does kind of put it into a different perspective where it's not so depressing, where it's a part of human history that we can all take part in, which I think is pretty cool. I think if more tech could kind of have a more human aspect like that, Mm. inclusionary. So for example, it's okay for Kendall Jenner to show her tits on Instagram, but if a person with big tits does it, suddenly it's a uh, it's sexualized. Or if a bad person does it, it's, then it's no, it's banned. That doesn't make sense. So it's like mm-hmm. one rule for you know upholding all these standards. So I think tech needs to be developed ethically and it's socially responsible. However, I don't think that can be done in the environment we live in in capitalism, which is why Star Trek is not capitalism, by the way. It's like communist, socialist. Anyway, I digress. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's, the, it's like the only thing that, that that gives me hope because I don't see any... Tech is only being used right now to make a shit ton of money for people that already have money. Yeah. So I would like to imagine that it could be more ethical, inclusive and socially responsible, but I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't see it. I don't feel it. Mm. If I'm wrong, please let me know. Give me hope. Give me hope. Other than Star Trek. If it's from Star Trek, then I already know it's okay. (laughs) Funnily enough, I actually used to watch Star Trek. So like way back in the day, I think it's because my uncle um, really enjoyed the show. So he would put it on and then I would watch it with him. So I don't know like a lot of the things about it, but I have watched it and I kind of so understand shocked. the premise. I know. Very I am strange. so shocked. We'll have to talk about it off, off this podcast. But I love what you said. One, about the tech stuff being more socially responsible, more ethical, more human, and created with more inclusion in mind. And then on the other side with pop culture, being part of the conversation, I think is something all of us can do if whether we are a air quoting this, um, personal brand or not, whether we are a business owner or not, as like just individual human beings, I think we can have these conversations. And it doesn't need to be on like a viral platform like TikTok or Instagram. Um, Whenever you get to that point, maybe that would be awesome. But it would be just like normal everyday conversations with like your partner, your friends, your family, um, somebody that you decide to like meet up with for networking. I don't know. I think those are just as powerful as when you take it to TikTok or Instagram or whatever social media platform you want. I always say like, especially within personal branding, this is something that I tell our clients that social media is technically used to scale the opinion or the message that you already have. But to in order to have like a well-formulated one, one that you like can stand behind, something that you really truly believe in and that like aligns with your values, it requires having like these behind the scenes conversations first so that you can really create a well-rounded holistic opinion and stand behind it as well as one that aligns with your values. And then when you have that, you can take it to social media to amplify it and also to scale that message because then you can reach more people faster. When you don't have like a well-rounded opinion, this is when, you know, you open TikTok or Instagram and you're like, should have taken a beat there, buddy. 
again, yeah, which plays into uh, critical thinking. Yeah, <laughs> we have Please. a full circle over here. Critical thinking, yes, hundred percent agree. Okay, so yeah. last, last, or not last question, but like lastest question for the segment: um, Is there a nuanced conversation that you think we are not having enough of? Class enough of. Okay, yeah, I can see that. I'm really curious about class, not just in you know individual countries, but class all over the world. There's been research: the rich are getting richer, and the poor are getting poorer, in the majority of countries, and the wealth gap between each country is equalizing. And if if you notice all over the world, rent is getting really expensive, and our wages are not increasing; they're probably yeah. decreasing. Just a coincidence, or yeah. So I feel like class. And class solida- solidarity and what mm. that could look like across the global north, the global south, like across everything, because this wouldn't be happening. There's too many of us. If we all yeah. said no, there's just too many of us if we work together. So I do think class is needs to be addressed. That's all that comes to my mind right now. Personally, I'm hoping for like the French Revolution style type thing, but we'll yeah. see. Teach their own. We'll see how that plays out. Oh, for all the people who are like, what happened in the French Revolution? The guillotine happened. They became a republic and they have no more royal family. The UK never had a revolution and it still has a royal family, so... Spain also, I don't think, has had a revolution. We still have a royal family. Oh, I mean, I'm not Spanish, but, like, they still have a royal family. But wasn't it reinstated? It was reinstated. Uh, After, I think. After? Yeah. Okay. For those that that don't know, I apologize. I don't know too much about spanish history uh, well actually i, mean, I could experience. be wrong i say after i think but yeah double check don't take my yeah. word for it. around the time or slightly after yes okay. ambiguous okay so before we wrap up this conversation thank you georgia for joining and for sharing i loved it um i always like to end each podcast episode with either journaling prompts exploratory questions or an activity for people to kind of do their own like little reflection. So do you have any journaling prompts, exploratory questions or an activity for the people listening? So I panicked when I got this question because I do not do journaling questions because I overthink and over intellectualize and I will just end up writing an essay and really remove it from myself, if that makes sense. Yes. I, I wish I could because I want to join in. I want to be a part of, of the journaling thing, like especially the, the, the guided questions. Those look like fun, but alas, they're not for me. I did. I do the artist way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a book. If any of you would like to look it up, thank you, Adrian, for putting me onto that book. Yes. But basically, um, why I like the book, the book does have some journaling prompts, and I do do them, but I don't do them very well. But what I like, what sticks with me, is that you have to journal every day, and that for me is it's not guided. I just write down, and mm-hmm. like I'm the type of person that will care about how my paragraphs appear, like on the paper. If there's an indent. I care about the structure, but like doing that, I've learned to let it go and just like release my feelings as opposed to just introduction, paragraph, body paragraph. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So the artist way, it encourages you to explore creativity Hmm. in a way that it sometimes is uncomfortable, but I feel like it does have something for everyone. It has guided journaling, non-guided journaling. It has activities that you can do. And I find myself hating it the entire time. And I think that's quite useful. <laughs> Was that like it, the most British me... thing that you said on this uh, podcast? <laughs> I don't think so. I'm sure if you all roll back, there are more things that she said that are very British. But yeah. Because, 
yeah, I heard that one. I, I did hear that one and I was like, shit. But it's true. Like it, it, it makes you like really feel your discomfort. And mm. for somebody that does over intellectualize their emotions or does overthink, it's good to like feel something in your body. Because when people say to me, oh, where do you feel that in your body? I don't know. Mm. I don't know. What do you mean feel in your body? I don't feel my body. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> so um, it helps. That's the message. It okay. helps. And it's like week one, week two, week three. So mm. it's not just like, oh, answer a question and then you go. Because Okay, I will link that in the show notes for anybody who doesn't know about the artist's way and you can check that out. All right, Georgia. Well, thank you again for joining. Thank you for sharing all of your thoughts. I loved this conversation. I love that we were able to like, yeah, of course. I love that we were able to kind of like bring a lot of what we talk about in our like regular messages and expand on it here. Can you share something that you are excited about in the upcoming months and then where people can reach you and follow you? Christmas, which you should Uh. have known is coming. (laughs) You should have known. You walked straight into that one. Oh my gosh. Yes. Christmas or the holidays for those that don't celebrate as long as it's December and it's snowing and I can hear Christmas music and have holiday food. Yeah. Good times. So that's number one. I'm Mariah Carey. Don't forget, I want Mariah Carey singing. Oh um, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, the second one is I have a newsletter. It's called A Portal Between. So basically, it's kind of what me and you, Cassandra, have been talking about. It's where the intersection of fashion, pop culture, art, the internet, all these types of things, tech, where they meet. And we've all kind of been there, like with the endless scrolling, and you kind of get depressed and everyone has a hot take. I get the good stuff of the internet, like the really good stuff and all the conversations. And I break it down and give like pros and cons and like, you know, from the from the different creators. So you're up to date, you're plugged in, but it's not like shitty content. It's like good content that I find like mm. art. Like why do we use this word content when it's art? Like it's great. Anyway, that's a whole separate issue. But yes, so that's my newsletter where you can subscribe. It's free. It's like my passion project. I will also link that into the comments. I am also subscribed. I think your first one went out. I was like, oh my Mm -hmm. gosh, these are like really, they are really good pieces of content. I am subscribed to like quite a few different newsletters and like sub stacks and stuff. Georgia definitely finds things, I think from like, deep deep corners of the internet and it's very interesting it's interesting but also I think it's necessary because I feel like culture is the internet this is why I made it for people that just want to plug like unplug plug out I was gonna say unplug but still want to be up to date and still want to like be entertained or intellectually stimulated Mm. so yeah I will link it in the comments below or not the comments, but the show notes. Um, so you can all can check that out. And then where can people connect with you on the internet aside from your uh, newsletter? Instagram and TikTok at I want to burn this place down, which Cassandra is a quote from Mad Men. Did you know? No. It's a I quote from that. Mad Men. <laughs> it's a quote from Mad Men. So yeah, I want to burn this place down. Anyone can message me or not. <laughs> I will also link that in the show notes so that you can check out and uh, message Georgia if you want to or follow. And yeah, I think that's it, Georgia. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you. Thank you also for um, helping me produce this podcast. If you all also don't know, that's she true. is the, pro- <laughs> I don't know, the podcast producer, manager, editor, coordinator. coordinator. I use the word coordinator, but it's 
free everything. I like it. Yeah, all of yeah. the above. The podcast the coordinator above. for I'm Lost, So What? So she's the one that's yes. putting all of this together and making it amazing. Yeah, so. I have to edit myself. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Let me know how that goes yeah. later. <laughs> well, everyone, yeah. thank you so much for tuning into this conversation. And if you have any questions, thoughts, if there's something that we said that was like completely wrong, uh, message one of us and let us know. And I will see you in the next episode. Stay fierce, fam. If you're hearing this message, that means you made it to the end of this episode. Yay. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and thought to yourself, whoa, it me, I'd love if you could share this with others, post about it on social media and or leave a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe too. Want to hang out with me in other areas of the internet? You can follow me on Instagram at Cassandra TLE. For brand message and content marketing tips and resources, check out my business at the Quirky Pineapple Studio. Thanks again and see you in the next episode. Stay fierce, fam.